This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. everybody. Welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to be with you. Very special episode because we are starting season four. First episode, January 16th, 2023. Welcome back. Uh, Hope everyone had an amazing time over the holidays. Great Christmas, great New Year's. Um, And now that we're all back at it, um, let's do this. Let's do another season of the Transcend Human podcast. So for those of you who have been around for a hot minute, those of you who may have been with us last season or even since the beginning, um, you've kind of followed our story. You know what's going on. Um, for those of you who are brand new, um, this will not mean anything to you. Um, but Tammy and I, um, toward the end of last season, Tammy and I became foster parents. So we, we got officially licensed to be a resource family in the state of California. And so we had been doing that for three and a half, four, almost four months. Um, and over the holidays, something crazy happened. Um, the foster kiddo that we had um, went back to live with her family. Now, on the surface, that's great. I mean, that's kind of the whole reason that Tammy and I got into the the foster system was to to be that safe place where a kid could come after being taken away from their parents or removed from their home, have that safe place while the parents worked through the stuff they needed to work through, and then the kid would go back with their parents. Like that's the whole point of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, unfortunately, uh, we were led to believe that this was going to be a six month, twelve month, possibly even eighteen month placement because there was a lot of work for the parents to do. Um, and so that was a dramatic change when, you know, three, three months, three and a half months in, uh, the courts are like, okay, um, she's good to go. We're going to send her back with her parents. So just difficult in terms of wrapping our brains around how the system works and why that happened. Uh, But I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that because Tammy and I do a series called the Transcending Stories series. And so we'll we'll dedicate an entire episode to that at some point here in the near future. Um, But just wanted to update some of you who knew our story and knew that that was kind of something we were um, excited about toward the end of last season. Um, A little update to let you know our kiddo is home and uh, we're just deciding when to jump back in um, and get our next one. So that's it for that. Um, let's just dive in, all right? Like I said, I hope all of you had a great break. Um, I hope all of you are back at it, ready to go for 2023, and uh, we're going to do this thing together. So minute of transparency for this week, Wyoming. So when you look back on your life, uh, what sticks out to you? What makes you say things like, oh, remember when we lived there or remember when we used to do this or used to do that? Those were the good old days. What is it for you? For me, it goes all the way back to living in Wyoming. 
Now, a psychologist might have a field day with this, right? They might call it a phase of life thing. After all, my parents moved us to Wyoming when I was in the first grade. So I don't really remember a whole lot before that. So it kind of makes sense, right? That I might view the seven years we lived in Wyoming as exciting or important. Because when I look back at my childhood, those seven years are the only thing I really see. Now, my question is, I guess, would it have been the same if we had never moved? In other words, if I had have just remained in Hinsdale, Illinois for those seven years, would, would that be the thing I look back on and said, oh, remember the good old days? I don't know. But what I do know is that Wyoming left an indelible mark on me, one that will never go away. Now, I would definitely refer to those seven years in Wyoming as my good old days. Does this mean they were perfect? That everything that happened was good or great or up and to the right? No. In fact, there were a few fairly traumatic things that happened in Wyoming. Uh, my parents went through a really rough patch uh, while we were living in Wyoming. I'm not exactly sure what happened or why. Um, we were young and the generation that my parents are a part of don't really talk about things like this, right? All I know is that at some point, they didn't really love each other as much as they did when they got married. Each went in different directions. Uh, each spent some time with other people. And at one point, they split up completely for a while. And then after a year or so, they decided that it wasn't right. So they came back together and they stuck it out. Unfortunately, this led to them selling the main house that we lived in in Wyoming, right? The, the house that we had moved from the Midwest to live in, the house that they had designed together and had built together. And that ushered in a period of time where they lived together, but it didn't really seem like they were a married couple, right? So I guess this is why people argue about the impact of divorce, right? Do you stay together because it's the right thing to do? and live a miserable life? Or do you go through with a divorce and just make the best of a bad situation? Well, in this case, they chose the first. They chose to stay together. And I feel like they were probably miserable for a good 10 to 15 years after that. But at some point, they had to come to Jesus talk, right? I think, it, I think they went on vacation to the East Coast or something. And while they were there, they decided, look, if we're going to stay together, we should probably work on this whole relationship thing and try to fix whatever was broken. And miraculously, that's what they did. My mom and dad are together to this day, and they seem to actually enjoy being around each other. But let's get back to the good old days. So aside from that experience, there were just so many other things that I looked back on and smiled about. I remember the drastic change of going from Chicago and the Chicago land area to Powell, Wyoming. I remember the draw of the wild, wild west, the, ran the ranches, the horses, the mountains, the cold rivers we fished, the small towns, Yellowstone, cutting firewood, seeing people work with leather and black powder muskets, uh, trips we took to Billings, Montana, where there was a mall and a hockey team to watch, and Dos Machos, our favorite Mexican restaurant there. I remember living in the country. I remember playing in the back 40s, riding my dirt bike for miles, camping, fishing, taking adventure trips to new locations we'd never been to, and even learning how to drive Old Clunko, uh, which was our pet name for our 1965 Chevy truck 
that we owned, a lime green pickup truck with four on the floor. If you know, you know. These are just a few of the things that come to mind when I think back to the time we spent in Wyoming. But what is it for you? What is it that you look back on, right? What do you see? What do you call the good old days? And that's today's topic, transcending the good old days. Number one, looking back. Number two, why the rose-colored glasses. And number three, the dark side of nostalgia. Number one, looking back. There's nothing inherently wrong with looking back, looking at the past, remembering days gone by as the good old days. We all do it, and we should. I believe it's part of the human condition, one of those things that separates us from the animals. We've heard it said, the thing that separates us from the animals is our ability to think, right? And while people have gone to extreme lengths to prove that there are very smart animals, like certain dog breeds, dolphins, octopi, um, all animals that seem to be able to learn and apply knowledge to situations, we would all probably agree there is a massive difference between that and humans when it comes to how our brains function. Animals are very reactive, right? They typically operate from innate or instinctive impulses, and much of the learned behavior is simply conditioned behavior after being exposed to a situation over and over and over again. Go to any dolphin show, and the smart behavior that you see isn't necessarily even their idea, right? It took a trainer hours upon hours upon hours to teach the dolphin to do the things that they do in those performances. Similarly, a dog may roll over from time to time by accident, but in order to get the dog to do it on command, it requires a lot of practice and a lot of dog treats. But as humans, we are able to think out of the gate. Very quickly, our little brains start to fire off. The synapses connect and the, all of the pieces start working and we start learning and we learn at an enormous rate, right? Babies learn so much, so fast um, that it's, it's just incredible. Um, they say that if you start teaching a kid a new language when they're young, that they're able to pick it up much faster than if you were to try learning a new language in your 30s or 40s. So our brains are obviously way different than the brains of an animal. But it's not just the brain power and the ability to think. There's an even more important piece. And that piece is that we are able to think about our thinking. Now, this gets a little deep, but it's very important. It's very important to understand, and it's a concept that a therapist will burn into your brain in order to help you get through difficult situations. Why? Because even though we are capable of doing it, we don't always understand the power behind it and how we can use it to our advantage. So thinking about our thinking goes a little like this. Uh, let's say I get cut off by a crazy driver on the highway. I immediately get mad and I think, he did that on purpose and he shouldn't be able to do that. He deserves to be punished. That's a perfect example of how our thinking is directly attached to an emotional response. In this case, anger. As I sit there, steaming mad, I have two options. First, I can give in to that feeling and act upon it, probably doing something dangerous in the process. Or I can try to figure out where those intense emotions came from by thinking about my thinking. Now to do this, you simply ask yourself questions. 
right? You calm down enough to think through the situation, dispute the thoughts you're having, and then implant new thoughts in the place of those old thoughts. So it might go something like this. Why am I assuming that he did it on purpose? Maybe he just didn't see me. In fact, I've actually done this to people on accident myself. I wonder if the driver is getting up there in years and just isn't as alert as they were in the younger years. And as you start to work through some of these questions, you start to feel the anger lessen. And at some point, your rational thought fully takes over and you're able to let go of the situation and move on with your life. But back to the good old days. As humans, we have the ability to think back to things that happened in the past, and that can be awesome, right? Maybe not for everyone. For some people, this may not ring true. There are people who grew up in very difficult situations, maybe even traumatic situations. And for these people, there may be no good old days to look back on. Or maybe the good old days that they look back on are just different. Maybe they're the good old days of the recent past. Maybe for someone like this, the recent past was a year ago or six months ago. Or maybe to them, maybe they feel like they're living in the good old days right here and now. So I'm not going to say that we all experience the good old days in the same way. But the phrase good old days is a thing for a reason, right? Because many of us look back and glorify the days gone by. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the phrase the good old days refers to a period of time in the past that a person thinks were pleasant and better than the present time. Now, many of us have this, right? Many of us resonate with this idea that things in the past were better than they are now on some level. Number two, why the rose-colored glasses? So the phrase rose-colored glasses means seeing things favorably or viewing things in an optimistic way. And for many of us, when we look back at the good old days, we do so through these rose-colored glasses, right? We tend to glorify the good and forget the bad. Makes sense to me, right? Especially when I look back at my seven years in Wyoming. I tend to remember the good things, the fun things, and I often have to remind myself that there was also that not-so-good part. Again, psychologists probably have a word for this. Maybe it's a defense mechanism. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But isn't it strange how easy it is for us to fall into this trap, focusing on the good and forgetting the bad? There must be something very human about this behavior. Maybe it's even coded into our core wiring. On some level, it's probably a survival thing. Think about it this way. When a mother gives birth, she often tells herself, never again, that was so painful. Why would I ever do that? That I would be an idiot to do that again. But it doesn't take long before all she can remember is that miracle, the miracle of life and how amazing it was to bring that little life into the world. So what happens? She gets pregnant and she goes through it all again. Perfect example of how those rose-colored glasses work. But here are a few additional examples from my experience. For me, dating, right? When I look back at my dating life, there are times when I can look back on those scenes as the good old days, right? Those years, those months, the freedom, the lack of commitment, the fun that came with not full adulting yet. 
uh, those high school and college years where you still had a lot of help and support from the people doing the actual adulting. But if you dig a bit deeper into those dating years, you might, like me, start to remember some of the negatives. Feeling out of place, wondering if you would ever find the right person, going from the wonder of a new relationship to the realization that, ah, this just isn't really going to work, and then being single all over again. Just a few of the thoughts and feelings that came with living in the single or dating years of your life. And it's when I start to remember some of those negative things that I really become thankful for the institution of marriage, right? Being in a long-term relationship with Tammy, someone I love, someone I trust, someone I get to spend the rest of my life with. Next up, alcohol. For me, this is a really good example. The idiot in me wants to look back and remember alcohol one way and one way only. The fun, the good feeling, the increased sociability, the parties, the camaraderie with other people drinking at the same time. The way that you forget about your problems, the ability to leave work at work and just chill out at home, taking the edge off, celebrating wins with a few drinks, drowning sorrows in even more drinks. But then my brain kicks into high gear and says, whoa, whoa, whoa there, hold on a minute. What about the not so good moments that alcohol brought our way? The strained relationship with your wife, the lying, the hiding, the get drunk and then recover game, how expensive it was drinking as much as I did, the potential dangers of driving after a few or a few too many, the danger of being caught in a bad state, the fear of getting caught and then having to cut back or stop. And this is just the list that came to the top of my mind. It's even longer than that. But I have to work a bit harder to create this list, right? I have to be honest, transparent, and willing to recall difficult things. Otherwise, it all just looks like rainbows and unicorns. And that would be very dangerous to my recovery. And finally, Let's talk about my son's 1992 Mazda Miata. Now, you have to love a good classic car, right? Or a car that has made a huge impact on people during its uh, run of, of um, production, right? When it was released and, and the years when it was in production. But then it stands the test of time and you have clubs and you have collectors and you have people who want to relive their past. And so these cars just hang on and there's just this nostalgia around these cars. Now, when my son Tyler decided he was ready to drive, uh, for some reason, he became hyper-focused on this car, the Mazda Miata. And not the new Miatas. He wanted the old Miata, the one with the pop-up headlights, right? Because it was the classic. So we began this process of searching for one. Now, I had all sorts of fun memories wash over me. Memories of seeing Miatas on the road back in the day, seeing restored Miatas on the road these days, and just loving the fact that my son appreciated the car for what it was, even though it was from the early 90s. To this day, I catch myself going to the window when he fires it up, just to watch him drive away from the house in his favorite toy. However, in all of that fun and all of that glory, there are still some negatives, right? Any car that is 30 years old will come with some issues. It leaks oil. 
it burns through it fairly quickly. The air conditioning doesn't work. The gear shifter came apart and we had to actually have the bolts re-drilled in order for it to be reattached. The door and the trunk latches don't line up the way they used to. Um, the soft top had a hole in it, so we needed to replace that at one point. And that was not a project for the faint of heart. The seats are a bit thin and the interior has seen its better days. But again, it's so easy to focus on the good, on the fun. When I watch him drive away from the house with that smile on his face, it's so easy to forget all of the problems we've had with it over the past few years. Number three, the dark side of nostalgia. So I wanted to do this episode for two reasons. First, I just love the idea of the good old days, right? As many of us probably do. I've used those words before, and I resonate with this whole idea that things were simpler back then, and if only they could be that way now. But the other reason I did this episode is because I heard a podcast episode uh, that made me think about this concept a little bit differently. The idea that living in the past can actually become problematic. There can be a dark side to it. The podcast I'm referring to is The Robcast by Rob Bell, and it's episode 311, and it's called The Fauci of It All. I found the episode pretty eye-opening, um, and so I would recommend you listen to it if you have the time. But it basically starts out discussing the reality of the day, which for him was September 2021. He explains that he was walking around L.A., and he saw two very different narratives being perpetuated about Fauci. On the one hand, he saw a sign that said, Arrest Fauci. And then the next second, he saw someone wearing a t-shirt that said, Team Fauci. Now, he acknowledged this discrepancy, and then he went on to describe the arrest Fauci side in a bit more detail. He said, The arrest Fauci group is the same group that pushed the following narratives in society, or in their communities, or in their arenas of influence. These are the people who perpetuated the idea that the election was stolen, that election volunteers were culpable and probably altered the results. They came down hard on healthcare professionals who, um, you know, talked about wearing masks and social distancing. Um, they came down on the Capitol Police guards who tried to describe their experience um, during the January 6 hearings. And instead of viewing their testimony as valid, they were viewed as liars or, you know, people who are just out to create problems, um, suggesting that it wasn't an insurrection at all, right? It was just a march for justice. And finally, this group is the one championing new stricter voting rules um, that typically impact certain groups of voters, groups like minorities and those who don't have access to things the average person does, like transportation. But above all, this group appears to have a disdain for the government, completely discounting everything that the government does in order to make lives better and our way of life less chaotic. He explained that this disdain for government is coming from a deep place, a place of resentment. Now, he says that resentment comes from the following place or for the following reasons. First, Things aren't how they were. Sound familiar? The good old days, right? Things aren't the way they used to be. The world has changed. Our world has taken a turn for the worse. There's all this increased diversity. We've, we've uh, lost our status in the world as a country and as people, etc., etc., etc. 
That's number one. And number two, change is a form of loss and loss is a form of change. So when your life changes, there's a sense of loss, right? This leads to one of two things, one of two behaviors when you feel this sense of loss. First, an opening up to the assumption that we are moving into a new space or a new phase and being okay with that. Or number two, a demand that things must return to the way they were. Resentment is when you get stuck in your emotions. And if your emotional response to the world changing is, I must return to what was the good old days, for example, then those emotions and that resentment is going to keep expanding until it becomes a bit irrational, right? Things become all about us. We start turning all of our focus inward. We regress into this state of self-centeredness or selfishness. It's all about my rights and the responsibilities are downplayed, right? When you talk about every person having rights and responsibilities, the rights become the most important thing. And the responsibilities to our neighbor or to society or our community are all but forgotten. It's all about me, right? Versus the greater good. We lose the ability to imagine, to innovate, to come up with new things. We lose the ability to see the good in other people. For example, the ability to view Fauci as a person simply doing his job, right? Attempting to help other people. Instead of that, no, no, he must be wrong. Or maybe there's an ulterior motive, or maybe there's a sinister motivation behind it all, right? Conspiracy theories. And when we're thinking that way, we're very susceptible to people who agree with us, or especially people who offer a solution to this problem. Think mega, make America great again, right? At its heart is the desire to return to the good old days, days we were comfortable with, days that felt safe, right? The other thing that explodes at this same time is the whole conspiracy theory thing, like we said. Theories that provide answers where there really are no answers. Ideas that simply corroborate our beliefs and perpetuate our worst fears. And finally, when we're filled with resentment and we're filled with all of this anger, those on the other side become what? They become the enemy, right? The people who volunteer, the people who are open to inclusivity, the people who are able to see the needs of others. These people are actually made fun of right? Because a resentful, selfish person sees that behavior and they just don't understand it. And we want to make fun of the things that we don't understand. Now, that was a very long summary of Rob's podcast. Like I said, go listen to it if you're interested. But that's the core idea of his episode. This idea that getting too caught up in what the good old days were like can actually create a level of resentment for the way things are today. And this resentment, if left unchecked, can lead to some pretty irrational behavior, selfish behavior, polarizing behavior, behavior that is on the rise, unfortunately, these days. But what can we take from that, right? If this is true, what does it mean for us? What can we do to keep from becoming resentful, selfish, and polarized? From my perspective, it all comes down to drawing a line in the sand, a line on the good old days spectrum, if you will, somewhere between viewing the past as terrible 
and viewing it as something that we must get back to in order to keep our civilization from crumbling. And my friend, I can't draw that line for you. I can only draw it for myself. For me, it looks something like this. There is nothing wrong with reminiscing about the good old days. Riding dirt bikes around Powell, Wyoming, climbing Heart Mountain, the music and movies of the 80s, my years in high school and college, my first house, the life we had back then. So what's that list look like for you? What are those things that you could put in that category of, it's okay to look back on those things and reminisce and call them the good old days. But from there, I need to put things in their proper place, right? Those are fun to look back on, fun to think about. Shoot, get a few tattoos to help you remember some of them. Uh, but let that be the end of it. Because we're probably looking at them through those rose-colored glasses we talked about, right? We're seeing the good without the bad. We're getting the nostalgia kick without the progress that we've made since then. And if you start to feel yourself getting angry that life isn't the way it was, if you start to feel yourself focusing on your rights and what has been taken away from you, take a time out and think about the why behind the what. Are the changes in life creating loss for you? A loss that is so painful that you would do anything in order to just get back that previous life. If so, think it through. Make sure you're thinking clearly. Make sure you aren't jumping on a bandwagon fed by the same fear that you're experiencing. And then entertain the idea that there might be a different approach. There may be people living in the middle somewhere, right? People who choose not to polarize. People who are standing in the discomfort that comes with change, progress, and being open to new things. I'm not going to lie, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Change is hard. Progress is hard. Because there is comfort in the past, right? There is safety in thinking that you have your world all figured out and that you can protect yourself from all perceived threats. But that just isn't reality. Our world is changing and it's changing fast and nothing we do is going to take us back to the good old days. Our job this year is to create good days moving forward by being the change that we want to see in the world, by being there for each other, by living the Jesus way and reaching out to those around us, including them and letting them know that they have value. I believe that there are people out there awakening to this new way of thinking, deconstructing the legalistic, fundamental, and political beliefs that have held us in this invisible prison for so long, opening our eyes to the world around us, to the people around us, to the choice we have to be better, to transcend human, if you will. Let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself the following questions. First, when you think back to the good old days, what comes to mind? Are you pretty good at seeing the past for what it is, both the good and the bad? Or do you see through those rose-colored glasses most of the time? And finally, can you see the dark side of nostalgia, how it can lead to resentment and even polarization from others?
This week, take a few minutes to ask yourself those questions and decide for yourself how you want to view the good old days moving forward. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad that I get to do this with each of you. Uh, it's so much fun to kick off season four. I'm looking to another year of great episodes, felt need topics. Um, like I said, Tammy and I will be back with some episodes from the Transcending Stories series on our foster journey. And who knows, maybe we'll even throw in a few uh, series uh, beyond that. So have a great week, everyone. And as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels. And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.